Yeah, you're not a big eater of fast food. I'm anymore. not because no. no, no, fast food is garbage. Let, let's let's put that on the table right now. Um, so, Wendy's doesn't fall on this list. Wendy's doesn't even crop up on my top ten or top twenty, and I can't even think of twenty other fast food <laughs> restaurants because, again, I hate fast food. Recorded in our Nerd Haven studios, this is Pop Medieval, your host, Dr. Richard Scott Noakes and Nina Mack. Discussing the intersection of medieval literature and pop culture on a semi-weekly basis. And now, back to your podcast. What, Nina? What, Doc? So, if you were to rank your top fast food hamburger places, what would they be? Top fast food hamburger places. Or, uh, you know what? I, I'll just go top fast food places, but no casual dining. Just top No fast casual, food. no fast yeah. casual, so nothing like no. Moe's or no, no, Panera. No. Okay. Yes. That is a very hard question because again one two and three we'll go with hardy's for number one Mm -hmm. because i've genuinely enjoyed hardy's but Mm -hmm. you know again marginally more than men than the others two uh, and this is a a very low two so like way down at the bottom of the list so up up at the very tippy top is hardy's and Mm -hmm. up at the very bottom i'd say like um six feet down would be Burger King. And only because I've enjoyed a Whopper Jr. maybe when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Well below that at number three, we'll go good old McDonald's. Mm-hmm. But again, only because they're McDonald's and they're the great American hamburger. That's it. Well, Why do you ask? Well, because uh, just very recently, uh, Wendy's released this promotional called Feast of Legends where they put out their own one-shot role-playing game. I guess it's really five shots. There are five different little adventures in it. Uh, that it's a is tabletop role A tabletop role-playing game with multi-sided dice and character sheets with different attributes and all that kind of Dungeons & Dragons kind of nerdy stuff set in a vaguely, a vaguely medieval fantasy world with very, very, very prominent Wendy's product placement throughout it. This is a terrible idea. <laughs> it was... Such a, I will not call it a terrible idea. I will just say a big idea. And you can decide if it's big, big bad, or big good. That uh, I got together with the Mastermind Collective, a tabletop uh, role-playing group that I meet with. And we decided to postpone the Call of Cthulhu game that we were going to do. And instead do Wendy's Feast of Legends. It was that you decided to... Postpone your weekly game that you play. I, I know that you are right. fanatical about this Call of Cthulhu game because you yeah. have bowed out of our own weekly games to play this Call of Cthulhu game. Hey, listen. But you wanted to play this Feast of Legends game. So, yeah, the Mastermind Collective got together and we played the game. Yeah. And it was everything that I'd hoped and dreamed it would be. Now, listeners, I would like to put a disclaimer on this podcast that uh, the Doc and I are not shills for Wendy's. And um, after my diatribe, we will probably never be shills for Wendy's. Um, However, I, I'm i willing to sell out. Wendy's, I am willing to sell out. I will shill for you for shockingly little amounts of money. Okay, he's for sale. I am not because... I have no integrity. He does not. I have a little bit of integrity, but... Let uh, me rephrase that. I have integrity. It's just on the open market. <laughs> <laughs> I have lots of integrity for sale. 
Okay. <laughs> but but after I tell my tale of Wendy's Feast of Legends, they probably will not want my sponsorship. Probably either. not. No. no. But before we go into more <laughs> um, insults against um, uh, corporate sponsors and how they will never be, please continue on with your tale. All right. So Wendy's Feast of Legends was a, was is a shockingly well developed game. Like when I saw that Wendy's had this one-shot tabletop game, I thought it was going to be like a five-page game, you know, really basic, you know, using six-sided dice and, uh, you know, maybe one page explaining what a role-playing game is, uh, one page on character creation, uh, one page of rules, and then a little pre-print adventure, which was which was basically set around a map of your local Wendy's restaurant or something. No, this was 90, I think 90 plus pages. Really, Holy crap. Yeah, it was really good artwork. I mean, they put a lot Ain't of work into game. this. No, yeah. I mean, there there are plenty of one-shot games out there. There are plenty of excellent one-shot games out there uh, that are way more ambitious uh, in terms of we're going to do something important here uh, that a lot less... A lot less professional effort went into. So they really went hard at this. So if anyone's thinking this is going to be like, you know, like on the back of a children's menu at some restaurant where they have uh, the the word find and it's it's ba- it's barely a game. I did assume this when yeah. you brought this up. When you first brought this idea as a podcast to me, I as a podcast topic, I said, I first of all, no. <laughs> Second of all, no. <laughs> Third of all, this can't be that interesting because it's probably something like you would get in a Happy Meal or whatever the Wendy's equivalent yeah. is. Again, I don't eat at Wendy's, so I don't know what children's toys they they have. And to hear you say that this is a shockingly complex and well-developed game is probably the most shocking I've, I've heard so far. Yes, and the truth is, like, most of it runs... Pretty much like a traditional. Actually, all of it runs pretty much like a traditional role-playing game. So, if you've ever played D and D or Pathfinder or Savage Worlds or GURPS or any of the other, which we've played before, yes. And if you don't know what those things are, imagine Dungeons and Dragons. If you do know what they are, it's kind of similar to Pathfinder, and so it runs pretty traditionally. So you've got basic attributes like strength, intelligence, charm, arcana, grace, which is like the dexterity. And defense and hit points. So really sort of very fundamental uh, stuff like that. There aren't that many things on the equipment page. There aren't that many, you know, everything's pretty standard. You clearly have characters which are a lot like really analogous to barbarians, really analogous to magic users or wizards or druids or, you know, all those traditional classes. But the branded Wendy stuff on top of that isn't just... If, if it didn't have that, it would just be a, another bland role-playing game. Mm-hmm. The worse it is, the more obnoxious the product placement, the better and more fun it is. <laughs> because they appear to be completely aware of how obnoxious the game is. So they and go hard. On... They go hard. Mm-hmm. This is the Sharknado of... <laughs> uh, of like uh, They are aware of what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, and so they're not... They're and not... they want you to be well aware that they're yes. aware of what they're doing. Right. So instead of having traditional classes like fighter, magic user, thief, instead they have orders. The order of the blah, like the order of the garter. But it's like the order, the Dave's double, 
The Order of the Baconator. The Order of the Fries. They sound like cults. They they might... I could see starting a cult based in this. Uh, I made a character who was in the Order of the Frosty. Um, and so, no. aside from just being themed by, according to... And, and sorry, and the, the weapons are things like a spoon, a fork, a... I think there's a frying pan or a cast iron skillet or, or this kind of thing. But aside from just those themes, they're actually, this is the crassest part of the whole thing. You actually benefit in the game from eating Wendy's food while you're playing the game. And this is crass. Yes. And so if you eat, so let's say that you are of the order of the, I think it's called the chicken asiago sandwich or something like that's one of that's literally like one of the orders i think that might be the name of it like or the order of the fries we'll say that one i can remember but they're they really get down to like the dave's double is the name of an order uh if you eat that you get a certain Dave being the founder of yeah yes right uh you get a and that's the name of a sandwich the dave's double yeah um or the spicy chicken order the spicy chicken you have to eat the spicy chicken sandwich if you eat the spicy chicken sandwich you get what's called an advantage uh, for the duration of the whole game, which is to say... So these are like buffs? Sort of, but then there is on top of that another kind of buff, which is a buff to his... So the advantage just means you get to roll the die twice, okay. or you get to roll two dice, and you get to take the higher of it. So that like you, that's a real serious advantage to eating the thing. So so like I, I was the Order of the Frosty, uh, which is a kind of... Um, uh, a kind of a magic user who does illusions and charm magic to kind of make force people to be their friends, I suppose. So because I ate a frosty, I got to during the game, I got to roll that die twice. Now, also, each of the major attributes, strength, intelligence, charm, arcana, grace, and defense, if you eat a Wendy's product, you get a plus to any roll involving that. A plus one. So if you eat any kind of cheeseburger, you get a plus one to all your strength rolls. If you eat any chicken product, you get a plus two to any intelligence rolls. And by the way, they also have debuffs. So if you eat any non-Wendy's branded food that comes from any other place, there are debuffs, which are negatives. And those are typically minus true. So you you get a benefit from eating Wendy's food, but they seriously penalize you if you get from anyone else that's not Wendy's. It's a. It would be really. So it's a real serious from, problem. Eat food from another comp- competitive fast food restaurant. Yes. I, I see. If okay. the player does, the character suffers. And okay. so, what I decided to do to torment myself and entertain uh, everyone who wants to, who's interested in this, uh, is I decided to go on their website and look at their their caloric information, and decided to order the small the smallest amount of food i could in terms of calories that would give me a buff in every category and so this meant having one cheeseburger one chicken product one salad one beverage one frosty and uh, one side no it couldn't be one side it had to be one fry one kind of fry okay uh and so i managed to find a way that i could do it for 1130 calories now actually the the soda machine they had was broken when i went in there 
and I couldn't get any of the zero calorie soft drinks, so I had to get an iced tea that was five calories. So I actually did it for 1,135 calories, but pretty close, a rounding error, basically. <laughs> five calories just puts you right over the edge. Right. Mm -hmm. I also calculated what would be the maximum. Well, obviously, you could eat like the whole restaurant full of things, but what would be the maximum amount of uh, food? A uh, maximum of calories if you only eat one thing from every category. And that's 4,380 calories oh my God. Uh, that you could eat. But at my 1,130... 4,000. Yes. 4,380. Uh, I mean, that's two Hungry Man meals. That is. That <laughs> it, was a, it, it was a disgusting gross amount of food. So I ordered the least amount of calories I could. And because some of that fell... I was able to order it in a way, I ordered it individually and then a very, I had good customer service. The, the, the young woman working, the, the cashier said, actually, if you classify them this way, you can get this as partly, partly a meal, a four for four mm -hmm. uh, deal. And so I managed to get it all for $7.86. So I was expecting that I was going to end up having to fill every category to pay more than that, but... I didn't, so I only paid seven eighty six, and I ate one thousand one hundred and thirty five calories, and thus got an advantage in every way. And I deeply regretted it for the entire duration of the game. I was within twenty minutes of starting the game. I felt myself getting so drowsy uh, that I was really struggling to stay awake. Because I guess it's not just the amount of calories. I mean, maybe mm -hmm. I ate something approaching that for lunch today because we had a fried lunch today. But because uh, you didn't play this at the restaurant, you came. No, no, no. Back we, home. we we came back home to, yeah. to do it. We talked about doing it at the restaurant. Uh, That'd just be I'm, weird. It would be. I actually kind of regret. I, I wonder if there are these uh, these Feast of Legend pickup groups that you could just show up at the restaurant and just sit down and say, "Hey, I got the dice." It's so I asked the them. I asked them about it at the local Wendy's. They had no idea this game even existed. They had no <laughs> idea. This is definitely more for the nerds than for anyone else. I see. Yeah. Yes. And so the the rules of the game are really crass in there. You've got to you've got to eat Wendy's. And then the game itself Well, is... see, that's... Before you go on, that's my yeah. next question is, do you have to buy this food in order to play this game? Or no. can you just buy... Okay. No, you can buy it and just use the standard abilities. Okay. And then as soon as someone comes in and they've got a, 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 a Wendy's fry, uh, they've got an advantage over I you. see. Okay. Though you also want to make sure that you don't... You don't eat... Anything that's not Wendy's. And by the way, this includes right. like if you bring your own Funyuns, you're you're getting a disadvantage to the game, right? Or, or oh, whatever, so right? it's not just competitor food. No, but from competitor it's also there's something called like like chips. Is I, I I don't have the rules right in front of me. It was like a debuff for chips. There's a debuff for anything you get from a gas so station. They want to corner the pizza. market on this. Yes, you cannot have any outside you, food whatsoever. Right. You either you can. I guess that's not true. If you. Anything that you would think of as being a possible fast food. Mm -hmm. uh, but, like, I think if you had, like, vegetables or fruit or something, I don't think that fell under the un, under their debuff table, but I, I don't I don't, I don't remember. So just but junk I food? So. Yeah, I think it's all junk food and fast food. It's like, if okay. you eat pizza, you get a minus two. If you get any, any kind of... So they're of just food. discriminating against, like, oh, garbage hardcore. food. Oh, hardcore. Hardcore. Okay. And when you look so at... You can eat other food, just not the bad stuff for you. 
Yes, they're essentially acknowledging that their yeah, food is terrible. Our food is terrible. <laughs> and, and Don't eat other terrible food. I mean, right. that healthy stuff, that's okay. Well, the nation, so... They're punching down. Yes. That's really what they're doing. So the game is set in this kind of medieval world called the Realm of Beef's Keep. Beef's Keep. And Okay, is and, that a pun? Now, I'm not 100% brushed up on all of my D&D terminology, is that a pun on something? Well, here's what I can't figure out. So, like, the, 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 the people who made this clearly know their D&D. Like, there's a reference to Labyrinth. There are references to other things uh, in, the, in the game. So, other kinds of fantasy medieval worlds. And there are clear references, denigrating references to the other fast food places. But weirdly, like, Beef's Keep, like, a real famous module that used to come with the basic D&D game which was a long time ago it's called keep on the borderlands and the weird part about this is beef's keep is like a whole continent but a keep is a is a castle mm-hmm. and so when you look at it you, I thought it was going to be like oh beef's keep is just the castle where Wendy lives nope she lives in the nation of freshtovia which I kept calling Fruitopia because I couldn't remember the name the nation of freshtovia suggesting and so the other there are other, like, areas, maybe even nations there, that are clear, like the Temple of Panda, which is, I think, a reference to Chinese food or Panda Express, Lake John Silver, the Twin Cities of Carl, we went to French Fry Forest, there's Roast Beach, the box, I don't know what that's a reference to. Is it just the box that all this junk food comes in? I don't know, we didn't go there. But there's clear, there's clear sort of snide references to... Colonel Sanders and I, I we didn't get far enough that we actually met any of them but mm-hmm. I think we're led to believe that the other kingdoms are led by evil versions of the mascots uh, so there I, oh, I, I fully expect a Ronald McDonald clone who who you know is uh, worse than the clown in it to be to be a character at some point. I see. Uh, but we didn't get far enough to to see that. Now, I hate to skip ahead, but is yeah. the crux of this campaign to rescue Wendy from a tower? Sort of. It's not a tower. There is a plague on the uh, land. Okay. And the plague is hunger. And the first level yard trash oh kind of uh, creatures that you're fighting are called pangs. Uh, and... Uh, Mm. Those are kind of the low-level cobalt orc things. Okay. Uh, and uh, you've got... And the weapons you have are, instead of having a sword, you can have a knife or a spoon or a fork. Uh, mm. The armor is like a Wendy's apron or a foil that you... A wizard foil robe, like the foil you'd wrap a, a baked potato in or something. <laughs> uh, so... Um, but as, as you go through this, it's kind of a medieval world, but the fact that they got, it, in the name of the whole thing, Keep, they misunderstood what that meant, suggests that it's far more about Wendy's and role-playing games than about the general fantasy mythology, I guess. Although there are references in it to the other general fantasy mythologies. I see. And why, why do you think that, what is the connection between medievalism and role-playing games, particularly particularly tabletop role-playing games? Why why do we love these games so much? Well... Medievalist nerds. Yeah, I, I, think, I think there's a couple reasons. 
one is that we're really like a lot of times they have to do with violence like the first like the like D comes out of a group called tsr and tsr stood for tactical oh shoot i can't remember what it what it stood for but but the, it was all about like moving little chiclets around the, a map to fight uh more like mm-hmm. warhammer 40k would be today and really it started with them finding new and interesting ways to mess with tactics it was really all about tactics and I think we like that because we're separate from those tactics. Like we, when you think about the kind of games that are still today, like board games and things, things like Risk, it's important to us that Risk take place, even though it takes place on Earth, it kind of feels like World War One era Earth in terms of the land masses and the areas mm-hmm. that they talk about. And we're a little bit separated from it. And I think also there's a sense of intimacy to the violence. And what I mean by that is that once you get past the 19th century where you have rifling and you're shooting at one person from far away, no, before that time, either you had to get up close and personal or if you were an archer, you weren't shooting at one person. You were with a group of archers and you're shooting a group of people. Right. And, and, and there is this. And so questions of things like how you behave honorably toward the enemy. When we think about the today, we think about things like. Uh, pillaging and 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 raping and how we treat prisoners of war which is almost always what you how you behave toward them when you have won putting it in a medieval era even whether a fantasy medieval era that violence it has to, actually has to do a lot more with how you're doing at the moment that you're fighting and i think it reminds us more of like in homer i know that's classical but in homer where you'll have two characters right up on chariots next to one another they're going to kill each other and they jump off and each one tells about their life story and then they say (laughs) oh wait our grandfathers were friends i'll go fight on that side of the battlefield you go fight on that side of the battlefield and we'll and 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 we won't fight each other unless Mm -hmm. we have to and it really is when when rifling comes around that becomes less possible uh to do that kind of thing so i mean today you through you know drones you don't have to be on the same continent as the person that you're Mm -hmm. fighting i think that's part of it i think we also have from french romances uh, we get this idea of how honor can work in war and how you can um, behave in a courtly way on the battlefield, uh, which is why when we think about these things, we tend to think about the knights who also are going to the court and not the yeoman foot soldiers mm-hmm. who are an important part of medieval warfare are to our imagination less exciting or, or less interesting. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why. And then um, if someone said to me, we want you to make a role-playing game based around Wendy's, uh, even though a lot of th- I, I actually don't play fantasy role-playing games that often, I would probably have immediately gone with, Let's, I guess I'll do a fantasy setting. Yeah. Um, also because it's malleable, it seems. Mm-hmm. It, you're not bound by the real world. So the idea that there's Queen Wendy in the Order of Beef. I will also say, by the way, in terms of the artwork... I don't have it here in front of me, but like Queen Wendy, rather than being, it is a very kind of 2019, it's very 2019 in the art. So like if you look at 1980s, 1990s, and early 2000s fantasy art, the dudes are all Conan the Barbarian. Yeah. And the women are all. Very muscular. Yes. Very, yeah. Right. And the women are all in chainmail minikinis or something, yes. right? Yes. Uh, Queen Wendy, she looks pretty tough. Like, I wouldn't yeah. want to fight her. I mean, she uh, she looks pretty 
tough and she's not um she's not scantily clad she's clad like a warrior Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's gonna hold her own. Yeah, and so know. so the artwork also felt very contemporary. Um, I do have a. I understand why people object to the nineteen eighties nineties artwork, but I have a nostalgic love for that. Um, I guess in the same way that I actually quite enjoyed playing this game, but I enjoyed it the most when it was its crassest and stupidest. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, when it wasn't crass and stupid, when it was just us playing a. Other points was just like, well, it's just another, just another fantasy role playing game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when you're doing something stupid like I, taking out your, <laughs> I had a, I, I had a, a large cup. Uh, <laughs> I also had a straw shot that I was using to shoot by spitting things out of my straw at my enemies. Uh, that kind of stuff was the fun stuff um, for me, anyway. Yeah. Uh, I think if this were your first tabletop role playing game, you might be annoyed by it. But if you've played role playing games before. I don't know. The stuff that people objected to was the stuff I found the most fun. Would you recommend this as a, as a entry level role playing game? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So actually, you know what? It's so straightforward and so simple. If you if you understood enough by context that you weren't normally dealing walking through a giant advertisement for a company, yeah, actually, it would be it would work for that, and it's only got like five adventures, so you couldn't play in this world forever. Uh, it would be rather silly to do that. So I guess I might, if I were in a regular role playing group, which I am. Uh, what I, aside from me, we basically get it. me, me. Yes, I have friends. The rest of you are losers. <laughs> aside from that, I guess I would say to. Uh, so what I did was I basically hijacked my group. We were about to start a new game session. I said, we got to do this because I got to do it for the podcast. Uh, and I told you we had to do it because I had to do it for my game system. You know, I can ask forgiveness later okay. on. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, guys. Well, uh, but but the guy who ran as Game Master has never been Game Master before. So he, okay. he liked starting, he liked trying out as Game Master because it was a low, like if, it's, if he screwed it up, we weren't going to play it forever. Mm-hmm. And... If it was stupid, no one's going to blame him. We we're going to blame right. Wendy's uh, for it. Um, the one thing I would definitely so so I would say like if you have a regular group, it's kind of a fun palate cleanser between really serious uh, games. It'd be kind of fun. The one thing I would not suggest doing is even with my I'm going to do it for the least possible calories. Don't don't do the food eating part. Just like don't. I, I regret everything. It was, I, I mean, I, I feel I, deep shame and I, regret. I don't like spiritually Wendy's. as well as physically. I hope. Yeah. I don't, I, I mean, I don't like Wendy's and I don't hate Wendy's. Well, I didn't <laughs> until that experience. You were on the fence and now. No, like I, I, this is for like, whatever, abhorrence. whatever. Like I, if someone says, let's go to Wendy's, I'd be like, I guess every other place is closed. Uh, <laughs> But I'm glad that they did this, and and I know a lot of people have been offended by the by the really crass product placement. And I guess what I would say regarding that is, if other companies decide to do the same thing and they want to do the same kind of very self aware meta product placement, I'd be okay with it. I would just be not okay with it if it started being very serious in the way they did the product mm-hmm. placement. Um, if you love eating at Wendy's, if your tabletop group always gets takeout, does it, and you're like, I don't know, I'd love to eat a baconator while I, and, and get benefit for that. Then go for it. But like, I sacrificed my body for you, dear listener. <laughs> I sacrificed my body. You owe me your lives. Not to overstate it, but you all should die for me <laughs> at my command. 
uh, given what I did for you. You heard him. Uh, yes. I, I demand obedience unto death. <laughs> <laughs> that is my demand. I find this a unacceptable demand. So. <laughs> and acceptable or unacceptable? And acceptable. Oh, good, good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, is, do you have any other questions about the game? I, I played a character. Yeah, tell me about the character yeah. you played uh, before I get too sick to my stomach. I played to a ask character of the Order of Frosty. Okay. So, okay, now here's here's a question. Yeah. All right, now, do any of the orders have anything to do with the characters? Like, you, you briefly touched on this, but why isn't the Order of the Frosty an Ice Mage? Well, that's a good question. I wondered that when I, yeah. when I got the Order of the Frosty, we were trying to balance out the class. At first, I actually thought it was an Ice Mage. Mm-hmm. But magic users seem to be uh, more associated with chicken for some reason. And What? Okay, so there's basically three general okay. categories. There are the... Uh, I can't remember what they're called, but there's like the beef orders... Uh, order of beef, I guess, which is like the the baconator is part of this, the Dave's double, the you yeah. know, like all, all the kind of bur- burgers, and those are all basically kinds of fighters. Mm-hmm. And then there's the chicken, and the chicken is basically different kinds of magic users, and there might be an ice mage one in the chicken, but I, and then there was the order of the sides, and the okay. sides had. We're, are all kind of support classes. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the other guys who I think we're going to have a picture up on the... Uh, oh, by the way, on the podcast episode notes page, we'll give you some pictures of some... Uh, maybe of all the food that I had to eat for you. Just uh, a bacchanal, you guys. Yeah, and then uh, in that picture, I think, is Grimdur the dwarf, who is his mastermind collect- collective slash minion of Dune name. But uh, he went as Spud... Spud something. No, I can't remember his character's name. But he was, he was a potato. potato. He was the order of the potato. Uh, so he was a support class. Okay. Uh, and his main powers gave everyone else better powers. And so my main powers as a support class was to give everyone higher charm and to be able to charm people to be my friends. It was completely useless in the game that we played because, well, it was because we only fought animal type of creatures uh, rather than fighting humanoids. Uh, in the the session that we played, so it seems like the the logic behind the character mm-hmm. design is quite random, though. To me, it would seem like like again, I, I get back to the whole frosty and ice mage. It would make more sense if they had I don't know the potato be some sort of earth dwelling creature like a dwarf or a, some gnome. I don't know. I, I'm just I'm coming up with well, this is why I'm I just think spitballing. But so so this is why I think in like my charm mind for a frosty. I mean, I don't yeah. I don't see the logic there. Well, this is why in my mind. I'm getting deep into role-playing game nerddom. So if you don't... Uh, if you're listening to this podcast and not into deep nerddom, right. I mean, come on. <laughs> right. This, pop this is why I think it's much more like Pathfinder, yeah. which kind of divided into like fighters, magic users, and healers, as I recall, are the three general groups. And then there are like subcategories within that. Mm-hmm. So I think it was a kind of more Pathfinder-y mm-hmm. uh, setup. And then within that, it was then governed by the Wendy's menu more than yeah more than logic, and I do think that the the names are the ridiculousness of the names, like there were just some they couldn't do anything with yeah you know like Dave's double or uh, like the order of the nugget you could sort of see the chicken nugget like you could make that work mm-hmm. uh, but like the order of the frosty by the time you got down there the idea that obviously in fact i named thinking that was what it was going to be i named my character 
Chillax, uh, Chillax Von Illa, uh, and Ada Vanilla Frosty. Uh, but in point oh, of fact, God. he has no ice powers of any kind. Yeah. And I had a bio that I came up for him where the idea was that he, although he was of the noble name Von Von Illa, uh, he was of the they had long since lost their money, and he was a poor cowherder, but a a flash freeze while he was milking one of his cows led to the delightful, uh, you know, the, the milky and sweet, I guess, frosty coming out from the cow's udders, thus granting him his powers and making him. But as it turns out, he has no ice powers at all. So my whole biography makes no sense whatsoever. He's just a guy who everybody likes because he has high charm. Yeah. One, he's the face man. He's the face he's man. The fa- yes, and, yes, and let's put a, a picture of the the incredible drawing you have there. Listen, this is, it is a drawing, and it is so good, I think viewers might think, that if you look at it, you might think it's a photograph, because it's so photorealistic. It looks a lot like you. It does look a lot like <laughs> me. I was, I was not going for that. You might notice there's some erasure at the top. It was because <laughs> I realized I can't draw hair, and so it's just easier for me to make him bald mm-hmm. also. Uh, also, but there's one thing, one part, I did get our game master to have him wear an ascot. But the problem is the ascot is obscured by his beard in this case. So kind of looks like an evil gnome or something. I don't know what he's supposed to be. Uh, but he doesn't look anywhere near so good as the uh, Order of the Frosty picture, which looks like some sort of vaguely Arabesque magic user, I guess. With yeah, a, I don't know where they came up with Well, that. she's got like some sort of magical staff or wand, which as far as I can tell is not a thing that no. is in the game. Um, Again, all of these seem retrofitted. Right. And then the names slapped on them. Yes, I think that's right. I think that's right. That's a shame. Mm. You wanted to talk about the Earl of Sandwich, too. Yes, I want to talk about sandwiches. So one of the things that this brings up is... Uh, would would anyone in the medieval ages enjoy hamburgers? No, they would not eat hamburgers, and it's not just because they weren't invented. So, and I'm about to uh, I'm about to paint with my get out my really broad brush because I'm going to paint the entire global Middle Ages with one big brush here. Obviously, uh, in this case, I'm I'm not really talking about the whole world, but actually, I can't think of any ex- exceptions to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so certainly in the European Middle Ages, the idea, they thought it was gross to put food in your mouth and take a bite out of it and take it out. Like the fact that modern people do that, they would think is disgusting. Instead, what you would do is you would cut off a piece of of it uh, and put it in your mouth or tear off a piece with your hands and put it in your mouth. Uh, and that, And the word for that is a morsel. So the reason a morsel is a bite-sized amount of food is it was literally, it literally means the part you tear off or, or cut off so that you're not biting into your food and putting it down like some sort of animal. Smaller part of a whole. Yes. I right. see. And so that's what we mean by morsel. And so they did have the idea of eating food with bread. So the trencher, which you now see uh, called a bread bowl sometimes, but... The, the older words, a trencher, would be a sort of like crust, a hardened crust of bread that you would lo- use as kind of a plate. So they certainly had that idea you could do that, but you would never, you would never just put that in your mouth and bite out of it and take it out. They would think that's really disgusting. And so we often talk about how the 
fifth Earl of Sandwich? I can't remember which Earl of Sandwich it, it was, but one of the Earls of Sandwich, uh, who supposedly invented uh, the sandwich as we think about it. And it seems weird to think that no one, like how could they not have thought to put food between two slices of bread and eat it? But I don't think he invented it in that sense uh, of it's a something no one ever thought of before. My interpretation of what then happens in the 18th century is it was considered gross. And then you've got an Earl who's like, I'm just going to do this. And he was famous for doing a lot of things. Uh, there's, He was a sort of a, an outrageous figure in some other ways, that particular Earl of Sandwich. Uh, but the idea that he did this, he put food in his mouth, bit it, and took it out. I don't think so much invented the sandwiches, made it something that was socially acceptable. And when everyone was like, all right, I guess that's okay and not that gross, uh, that was when suddenly the sandwich sort of explodes mm -hmm. onto the scene. And so, you know, the earliest hamburgers were not, uh, had to do with a, a, a line that brought German immigrant or a German uh, shipping line that brought immigrants to the U.S. and they had a kind of thing of Salisbury steak. It doesn't immediately get put between two slices of bread uh, for the same reason mm -hmm. that it was kind of weird or gross. And it is interesting us because we tend to think about like, oh, I'll bet people in the Middle Ages were gross or weird or disgusting or what they did was sick. We didn't like that. But they would look at us in the same way and say like, you put food in your mouth and you bite it and you take it out and that sandwich has got your big bite into it and you're just leaving it there on your plate what are you some sort of animal they'd be grossed out by that that does put it in perspective yes yeah i mean yeah i mean you think about it someone has bitten into a sandwich or a hamburger and put it down and their gross germs yeah. are on that that bite of hamburger and it's wet and covered in their yeah. saliva now now by the same token if you, now i really don't want to if you gave yes well if you gave a medieval person a burger or any kind of sandwich, they would eat it. But what they would do is they would tear off a piece and put it in their mouth, or they mm -hmm. would take a knife and cut off a piece, put it in their mouth. A lot more like we'd eat like an open face sandwich, maybe, mm -hmm. uh, where you don't pick it up and, and shove it in your yeah. face, but rather you 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 use a knife and fork on it. I see. So that leads me to a very important question for mm -hmm. you. Very very important. Is a hot dog a sandwich? So. I have been asked this question before. Okay. And in the past, my answer has been no. However, okay. given what I just told you about the idea of the sandwich becoming socially acceptable and the, the difference between modern dining etiquette and medieval dining etiquette, I have to say that since they had sausages for certain in the Middle Ages and the... And you take a hot dog, unless you're a very unusual eater, you take a bite out of it. You don't just shove the whole thing in your mouth and python it down. Uh, I guess I would have to say that I have to retract my previous positions and say, yeah, uh, I say, yes, the hot dog is a sandwich because it is the kind of thing which in the Middle Ages could not be eaten, not because bread didn't exist or sausages didn't exist, but because they thought it was gross. And they would think a hot dog is gross for exactly the same reasons. You know, I I said no, a hot dog was not a sandwich. And with your explanation of the Earl of Sandwich just now, my mind changed 
in just your explanation. So yes, my my opinion has changed. I, I, I changed my mind I, during this podcast yeah. too. <laughs> there we go. Look at us coming together on mm-hmm. one subject. And, and one of the most one of the most bitter subjects debated this on the internet. True, yes. Right. Next time, discussing GIF versus GIF. <laughs> Which no one has a strong opinion on at all. I will also say that uh, at the beginning of this podcast, I had no appetite and I was near about to throw up. But I am hungry again. <laughs> discussing actual hot dogs. Well, we'll be having salmon tonight yes. rather than having... Yes. Uh, which uh, I don't think is available at Wendy's. Thank God. Yeah. I would never eat salmon again. No. And being from Michigan, salmon has been a staple of my diet for years. So For, for a couple of years. A couple of years. Um but uh, so, so, I, I will say that I am actually in the the Nerd Haven underground bunker with you this time. Oh, yes. That explains why the sound is a little different. Yes. We're, we're using yeah. one mic for two people for once. Yes. And Engineer Mike is going to uh, work his magic on this. Hopefully I don't sound <laughs> too terrible. But, um, yeah, we're, we are live and in person this time. Yes. Which is why we're having salmon rather than... We're not coordinating our meals we're from not, afar. <laughs> yeah. So do you have any recommendations or anything you want to plug today? I, I do. I have one recommendation. Um, this is eight years in the making. I would like to plug the Dark Tower series by mm. one Stephen King because I'm a writer. And if I don't plug at least one Stephen King novel, <laughs> uh, I am not a writer after all. Um, the, the Dark Tower series, as you know, is a long running Series of novels, uh, divisive. You are either a Dark Tower series fan of Stephen King's or you are not. There are people who love Stephen King's books and go, I'm not a fan of the Dark Tower series. And then there are people who say, nope, I love the Dark Tower series and a few more of Stephen King's books. Um, but no, I, I really do like the Dark Tower books. I'm on the last one. I'm halfway through the Dark Tower, as it's called. Um, and the reason why I'm plugging it on a podcast called Pop Medieval is because it has its own uh, King Arthur mythos to it, which I thought was really, really unique. And I, I don't know if there's enough of the mythos to actually discuss on this podcast. Maybe there is. We'd I'd have to go back. It's Again, it's taking... You mean in, in, in Dark Tower? Yeah, in the entire series. Maybe we'll have to look at it. I would have to go back. Again, yeah. it's taken me a long time to get through all of the books because they're so prolific and I've read... Many, many, many other books in between all of the other books. But uh, again, halfway through the final book, the King Arthur mythos actually kicks off the plot of the first book and it just continues through. And I I really enjoy it. And I'm kind of sad it's coming to an end. I feel like it's been a journey. And um, it's, again, very, very Stephen King. Mm -hmm. Some parts are a little bit slower to get through and some parts just keep moving on and on and on and I don't want it to stop but uh, I'm actually really sad for it to stop. I would also say like I, I, I was introduced to this series by a student who wanted to do a presentation on it and he started describing the plot and I was like what is this insanity mm-hmm. and so I'm going to say if you are interested in Dark Tower series do not read any plot synopses because it will put you off it is so very much so crazy sounding yeah it's it's insane and uh very disturbing if mm-hmm. you read if you go back and read any plot synopses uh i i had to at one point it had been so long since i had read, read the previous book that i had to go to i think the dark tower wikia yeah to read the previous book 
Um, and I was like, oh God, you're yeah, right, that did happen. And that yes. was gross. It's um, a very, very good series. And it's, there are, there are um, Lord of the Rings people. I think I'm becoming a Dark Tower person. Oh, so okay. Yeah. I, I do think it's his best work. It is. Um, I'm, not, I'm I, not actually a huge Stephen King fan. I like Stephen King better than like Wendy's. Uh, but, <laughs> oh, well, yeah. But the Dark Tower, I think, is really, really, really good. Yeah, if Stephen yeah. King opened a burger restaurant, it would definitely be... Above Wendy's? Uh, no, I would not eat at a burger restaurant. <laughs> I think you have it, to think again about your Stephen no, it, King. It would, I said it would be above Wendy's. I didn't say it would be number one. It would be much more likely to have human flesh in the burgers. I, it would still be above Wendy's. Okay, well, there we go. I, that's probably true. <laughs> Look, Wendy's <laughs> has the Baconator. That's Stephen true. King... Stephen King's restaurant might have human flesh. It's still above Wendy's. <laughs> yes. Again, we're not corporate shills for Wendy's. No. Doc, please yeah. go ahead with your recommendations. So I can do a lot of trouble. I got two recommendations. And so since one is a little more serious and one's a little more fun, I'll okay. do the serious one first so we don't end on the... the yes, so let's not so bring a, a downer on this About one. a year ago... Um, Robert Stevick, uh, the medieval scholar Robert Stevick died. Uh, he died in September of 2018. We're recording this in early October of 2019. Um, and just to give you a sense of Robert Stevick, he was, up until he died, he was working. I think he was retired when I met him, and I was a grad student. If he wasn't, he was really close to it. And he was working uh, in medieval scholarship and doing really innovative and interesting stuff. And so he was one of the first people who came to us at Wittam Publishing. And he wanted to publish one of his books. We talked about it. And he wanted to do something really innovative. And so we did. And it's a, a book called Insular Art Forms. Insular, uh, I-N-S-U-L-A-R, which means island, have to do with the art forms of England. Insular Art Forms, their essence and construction. And it's $4 on you know, all the digital uh, platforms. Mm -hmm. And I would recommend the book. It's really interesting. It has to do with how manuscripts, how they made really complicated geometrical shapes. Like how do you make something perfectly round or how do you do these complex uh, lattice works or things on medieval manuscripts and these really beautiful ones. And he showed how they did it. And what he wanted to do is really interesting was not just publish the book, which is why he came to us, but uh, he wanted to have companion videos and he also wanted the reader to be able to try things out for themselves. Uh, if you go to the Witten publishing page, and I guess we can have a link to that particular page show notes, yeah. on the show notes, um, there are companion videos showing you how it would work. And then there are these printables, which are just a few pages with, you know, kind of dotted lines and things to show you how you would fold things or how you would write things. Uh, so you can actually hands-on way try it out. Robert Stevick was a guy who could have just gone into retirement and coasted on his reputation. That guy was innovating his entire life. Uh, I just really admire him. Uh, and so if you have any interest in medieval manuscripts at all, uh, I'd really recommend Insular Art Forms, Their Essence and Construction. The other thing, which is a little more fun, uh, is... There's a, a role-playing game based on, on Arthurian legend, and it's called King Arthur Pendragon. Uh, and I've played in it, uh, and it's really interesting because it tries to be, if you hear the pages turning, I'm looking and <laughs> flipping through it right now, uh, it tries to be very faithful to the King Arthur of Arthurian romance. 
it has very interesting rules for both combat out in out in the world and then for courtly life. And so if you say if you think I want to be a woman who never goes out into combat uh, and is a kind of uh, social force in courtly life, you can do that. And it is meaningful in the game. You know, if you behave in a dishonorable way in your battles, even if you win them, uh, that is meaningful in the game. Uh, I guess the only the only thing I would suggest is if you're going to play a game that's mostly court-based, play a game that's mostly court-based. Or if you're going to play a game that's mostly going out in quest-based, play a game that's that. Because Yeah, don't mix and match. Yeah, one thing that, that I have done in another group before was every character or sorry every player had two characters a knight and a courtly lady that way everyone was always able to play whether we were playing in court or we were playing out uh on quests so it was a lot of fun and again that the name of that role-playing game is king arthur uh pendragon uh which is doesn't have any product placement as far as i know uh, and you don't have to eat any particular food to play it you just play it straight up or human flesh. Yeah. Uh, no, you don't have to. You can if you want, I suppose. No one's stopping you. No. I guess that's not true. Lots of people are stopping you. <laughs> but don't let it. No. So, Nina, anything else uh, before we declare this a natural 20? What is a natural 20 called in this game? Uh, <laughs> it's called Feast Mode. Uh, that is what it is called. Yeah. I, I think we should end it on that. All right. West through Hall, Nina. West through Hall, Doc. Pop Medieval was recorded in our Nerd Haven studio. Your hosts are Dr. Richard Scott Noakes and Nina Matthews. Our audio engineer is Engineer Mike. Original music provided by Dr. John Jennings. For more information, visit our website at profawesome.com slash popmedieval. That's P-R-O-F-A-W-E-S-O-M-E dot com slash popmedieval. Thank you for listening. You know, some things, are, you, you prioritize the things I, in life that are important. I, yes, this was important. I, I'm hurt, I'm offended. <laughs> Well, you weren't as hurt as I was. We schedule these podcasts <laughs> around your Call of Cthulhu game, but yet you wanted to play this damn game. Now, to be fair, it's not always Call of Cthulhu. It's oh. sometimes other things, but I'm it's sorry. typically not branded uh, merchandise themed games. So, yeah. <laughs>